Welcome to C3 Church Queens Beach Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. Today, we pray as you hear Nicole Ma that you'll be inspired to live your best life. Great to be here in the house. Sit down, take your seats. Please take the worship team. It's just absolutely awesome. It's so blessed to have the beautiful presence of God in this place. Well, we're part two of um, Hebrews 6. Making on foundations at the moment. The strength of foundation sets limits to what can be built above it, both in size and weight. That's a great important as in our Christian life, you can't build a more successful life than your foundations will permit. So Hebrews 6 1 3 lays down these foundations. Now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance into perfection. The foundation has already been laid for us to build upon. Repentance, turning away from our dead works to embrace faith in God, teaching about different baptisms, impartation by the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So with God's enablement, we will move on to deeper truths. So we want to have our foundations in the right place so that we can build something strong. So last week we had a look at some of these, the first pair, they're in three pairs. The first pair, repentance, and turning away from dead works to embrace with God. Because without true repentance, and repentance is a decision of the will to turn away from pleasing ourselves and our sin and turn in a complete 180 degrees different direction and turn to God. And to say to him, as you make that decision, I'm yours. You know, we say, not my will, but yours be done. And putting that into place. Without that, we never have true faith. We can have that unstable. You see people just going on a bit in God and they fall and they, they get distracted and things don't work out because they haven't put those that repentance into place. And repentance then from dead works, where we're trying to earn or work our salvation yeah. and our approval from God, but that's not how God works. Ephesians 2, for it is by grace you have been saved, come on, yeah. through faith. It's not from ourselves, it's a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. That saves us from pride too because we can't boast on that. In this way, we can't take any credit, we can't have any pride because we had nothing to do with it. We can't earn it, we can't work for it. So then all the glory goes to God and all we can do is receive the gift of grace through faith. So we're continuing with the second pair now in the foundations. And the first one in that second pair, the third thing, <laughs> it's very confusing, is the doctrine of baptisms, teaching of baptisms, which is actually plural. So there's three types of baptism that's mentioned in the New Testament. There's John's baptism, Christian baptism, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. So baptism in, is a Greek word that means baptizo. It actually means immerse. By putting something down into water so that it is fully covered, or by pouring water over it, but it's like a flooding thing, like a really full immersing thing. It's total, it's not partial. And baptism symbolises something that has already happened when you've made a decision to believe that Jesus died for your sins, as we talked about earlier, repentance. And it represents a cleansing of our old ways, our natures, a washing away of our past life of sin, and that desire to start fresh in our new life with Jesus. And it represents transition, we move out of one thing into another. And it means the whole of you, not part of you. It's total immersion because all of you is affected. 
So we're in something, we're in water or in the Holy Spirit, and then we go into something, we transition for an end product, what you pass into through baptism. So the first baptism was John's baptism, and that was in water and into repentance of sins. And that prepared the way for the Messiah, for Jesus. He came preaching the baptism of repentance into remission and forgiveness of sins because he needed to prepare the way for the awaiting Messiah. Jesus could not be released to come until the hearts were prepared. He had to prepare God's people through repentance. And it's also an important transitional link between two dispensations. There was the dispensation of law and the prophets and then transitioned into dispensation of grace and the gospel which came with Jesus. So it was a brief but a crucial ministry. And there was evidence of lives changed with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people of that time. That baptism was sealed, was a seal of them being repentance. Now it didn't bring the new birth because we know that we can't be born again. Unless we're born again, we can't see the kingdom of heaven. But um, John's baptism was not valid once the Holy Spirit came. That was for that era. Acts 19.2.6 says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Into what then were you baptised? John's baptism. So Paul said, So I baptised them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So that wasn't enough for the time because it, um, it was new, a whole new era when Jesus and the Holy Spirit came. So Christian baptism is the second baptism that's mentioned in the Bible. And this is so very important. It's a real significance. And it's not a baptism of repentance. It's fitting for us to fulfill and complete all righteousness. So before Jesus started his public ministry, even he was baptised, even though he didn't need to repent of sin, as he had never sinned. But he was baptised so he could set an example for us and an identity with us as sinners. So have a look at his um, baptism, Matthew 3. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptised by John. But John didn't want to baptise him. I'm the one who needs to be baptised by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it must be done because we must do everything that is right. So then John baptised him. So we see here, Jesus opened a doorway for a dynamic to be released at baptism. Your obedience unlocks something in the invisible realm. Water baptism opens the way to things that will never happen in your life until you take that pathway of obedience. And just as when Jesus came out of the water and he heard his father say, this is my dearly son who brings me great joy, know that your obedience in being baptised brings great joy to your heavenly father also. And there's a sense of divine approval and pleasure with Father God that he wants you to experience and to be sealed in your heart. And I know for many of you who have been baptised, you've expressed this, this incredible sense of peace and oh, beautiful settling in your life when you're baptised. And it's a symbol. Just as a wedding ring is a symbol of a marriage which has taken place, so baptism is a symbol that you've committed your life to Jesus and you're now following him. And it's also a symbol of commitment and identification with Jesus' death, burial and resurrection. To Romans 6.3. Don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, 
we too may live a new life. As we go into his death, we're raised and we walk in the newness of life and different than what we walked in before. When we come to the end of our life and doing things our way in our own righteousness and power and we come out of that watery tomb and we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead. He couldn't. It was by God the Father through the Holy Spirit. And in water baptism, we act out the reality of the resurrection. Without resurrection, Jesus is no different than any other religious leader that came along. And they are all dead and they will stay dead. But he is risen and he is alive. You know, Baptism is your death sentence, but then your resurrection. We're also raised with him through God who raised him from the dead. And baptism only works for those who believe. It's in our faith in what God will do that we are raised. If we don't believe, it doesn't work. It's not just a ceremony. Once we're buried and raised up, your life does not belong to you. It's actually showing a commitment to discipleship. And we see that when Jesus is talking at the end of his life here in Matthew 28. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing into them the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So it's a commitment to discipleship. So there are requirements for Christian baptism. Firstly, hear the gospel. Believe that Jesus died, was buried and rose again. Then there's repentance. Um, Peter was talking to the crowd after Jesus had gone, after they'd been filled with the Holy Spirit and he preached an amazing gospel message and they said, what shall we do? They were so moved in their hearts and he said, repent, that's the first step, be baptised, be filled with the Holy Spirit and it's a package deal and we don't need to wait. So thirdly, we need to believe, then baptised and it's all of you, you go right under and you come right up. And fourth is 1 Peter 3.21 says, And this water symbolises baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I hadn't looked at it this way before. We can answer to God with a good conscience. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that freeing? That's why you don't have to be baptised every time you sin. <laughs> you just repent and go back. But... Yeah, we have that clear conscience before God. So if you look at these pre prerequisites, is a child or a baby capable of feeling any of these conditions? No. A child is not going to be able to hear the gospel, repent, believe and answer to God with a good conscience. So baby baptisms are not biblical. They're a contrived religious tradition. That's why we expect someone to make that decision for themselves. And teaching for baptism doesn't take... A long time in the day of Pentecost it says they heard the gospel they were saved and they were baptized on that same day 3,000 people and even when we um, you know when you've done you don't have to go well we've got to do this six-week course and we've got to tick all these boxes and we've got to prove yourself let's just see how you go for the next few months and we'll do the checklist it's not like that that's what religion is but that's not what the gospel is you know, we see in Acts 8 that Philip was talking to the Ethiopian and he heard the gospel and he preached Jesus 
And the Ethiopian said, see, here is some water. What prohibits me from being baptised right now? Well, you haven't done the class and you haven't, you know, I'm just going to check to see if this is, no. He says, we went down into the water and came up in the water that very day. It's fantastic. Galatians 3.27, as many of you that were baptised into Christ have put on, clothed yourself with Christ. So we're not baptised into a church, we're baptised into Christ and into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't want to leave that bit out, that's important. Because, you know, when I was married to Steve, it says right from now on, I am still, when I, in the marriage ceremony... You know, he didn't say, now from now on, I'm going to take on my husband's name so you can call me Nicole Marie husband's name. No. I took on his name and I'm called by it, Nicole Marie Ma. And we take on the family name in baptism. So we don't just say we baptise you into the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We baptise you into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, into his family name. And we have that on us. I love that. And we have a new life empowered by the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us. It never ceases to blow my mind. Same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in me. That's amazing. (laughs) And in the Old Testament, we see types of baptism. There was Noah's Ark. There was judgment, and that was the only way of escape. And the flood equals judgment. And Jesus is the representation of the ark. We're only safe in Jesus from that judgment. And 1 Corinthians 10, 1 and 2 says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, and he always said that when they were ignorant of the fact, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, because of course you know, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptised into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So we see the pattern there that's set for us. Every Israelite passed through those two experiences, the cloud that comes down from above and then down into the water and passing through. And there was a new law and a new leading with that. In Hebrews 11:29, By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. So what happens is the water cut off the Egyptians and baptism separates us. It cuts us off from the world. We are baptised into Christ and he becomes our leader. So the third baptism, immersion in the Holy Spirit. So in the Spirit, we're saying in and into, in the Spirit, into the body of Christ. So Christian water baptism is like going into a swimming pool where we go under. But another type of baptism is like standing under the Niagara Falls. It's something that comes on, um, over us but completely covers us. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like that. All four of the Gospels mention that Jesus will come and will immerse in the Holy Spirit. So Matthew 3.11, I baptised you with water for repentance, but after me comes one more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And we see this in Acts 1.4. Jesus says, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised in water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. And we read about it in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. After that day, they never waited again as the Spirit had already come. We wait for fruit. There's fruits of the Spirit and we wait for those because fruit takes time to grow. But this is not a fruit. This is a gift. And that's not to be confused. This is received in one transaction. You have it and you get the gift and then you've got it. Baptism is corporate. um, Baptism of the Holy Spirit was corporate from above. They're all immersed. But it's also personal and individual. And it's like an overflow. They were filled and they all spoke as the Spirit gave them to speak. And God and man cooperate. God fills you, but you have to speak. The Spirit doesn't do the speaking. You do your part. 2 Corinthians 1.21 Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So you see here the Holy Spirit as a seal and a deposit. It's like a guarantee or a down payment. So a seal, um, we already belong to Jesus, but this is like a public recognition of it. You know, in the old days they would have the letters and they would pour the hot wax and they would put a stamp that was the seal. And that's And it's like speaking in tongues for us. And you, when you go shopping and you might want to purchase something and you make a down payment, a deposit, you've paid part of the price, but it belongs to you and it's a guarantee that you're coming back for it. Well, this is the same. You put down a puts a down payment on you, sets you apart and you're not for sale to any other new customer and it's his guarantee that he's coming back for you with the rest of the payment. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit can come in two ways. There's fall on us or there's laying on of hands. So we read about Cornelius, who was a Gentile, he wasn't a Jew, and the Holy Spirit fell on him and his family, and that's in Acts 10, 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptised with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptised in the name of Lord Jesus Christ and they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So here's Cornelius, a Gentile, speaking in tongues first. There's no wind or fire. He wasn't waiting or tarrying. And he actually got filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he was baptised in water. Him and all his family that very night. Amazing, amazing story. And then there's laying on of hands. Acts 8, 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So the new believers were saved, baptized, hadn't received the Holy Spirit, so they laid hands on them and prayed. And the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit is to receive supernatural power from God. We need that, don't we? Jesus' last words in Acts 1 verse 8. 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this power is dunamos, which of course is where we get the word dynamite from. It's explosive, this power of the Holy Spirit that we have access to. And it gives us a power to be a witness. We have a supernatural God and a supernatural gospel, so we actually need supernatural power to shine bright and to tell others about what we have. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Just as a body through one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So we were all baptised in one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is made up of, is not made up of one part, but of many. For in one spirit, all were baptised, in one body. So the purpose of baptism is to bring unity. And he uses that one and that unity word three times in that scripture. So you think, well, how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? How am I immersed in the Holy Spirit? Again, the basics, repent, be baptised, come to Jesus, come to, he's the baptizer. And, you know, and we ask for the gift and we have a good father. He will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Matthew seven eleven. sounds now I feel hungry like I need to get a slushie or something. <laughs> Matthew seven eleven. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? He wants us to receive it. And so be thirsty, be spiritually thirsty, because it's compared to drinking. You know, in John 7, 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. I hadn't noticed this before. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So he's prophesying what was going to happen. Have these, liv- these, livers of rivers, these rivers of living water flowing out from us. You don't want your liver flowing out of you. That's really uncomfortable. <laughs> so what do we do when we want to receive the Holy Spirit? We open our mouth and we take in the supernatural power of God, like drinking it in. And we yield our tongue to the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we can get this idea that it would be like that scene in Bruce Almighty with Steve Carell where like something's got his mouth and he can't stop and something's growing his mouth and manipulating it. It's not like that at all. We yield our tongue and we hear those promptings and we just say them in our normal voice. <laughs> yeah. And we have faith. As we speak, the Holy Spirit fills us. You know, I would love to pray for people for this. It's one of the most exciting things I get to do as a Christian is to um, pray for people when they get filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the signs of that is speaking in tongues. So I'd love to do that for you. I'm hoping that there's some of you here going, why would I not want a free gift? Why would I want, not want supernatural power? Like, come on. <laughs> so the you know, Holy Spirit, he's a really important part of the Trinity. And he has incredible roles in our life. Some of them are he's a counsellor. The word says he leads and guides us. He comforts us when we are hurting. He will never leave us. He brings us peace. And he helps us to recall the things that we have learned. 
Now, for all of you students here, teenagers, you've got to do the study first. You can't recall what you haven't actually studied. So I'm not going to study this year because the Holy Spirit's just going to bring it all to remembrance for me. doesn't work like that. <laughs> study first. You have to study before you can recall it. So when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're talking to God, who is a spirit. And we have a supernatural gift. It's mysterious. And it strengthens you personally. And when you pray and you run out of words, you can disengage with your agenda and you can get God's agenda, his heart. You're praying exactly, I feel like, from the throne room of heaven what he wants for you. And he helps us to tell others about our faith. As I said before, we'll be witnesses when that spirit comes upon us. It helps us to stop. He helps us to stop sinning if we ask and listen. And he intercedes, he helps us pray. And that's why tongues is really helpful. So if you're being led by the Spirit, you'll also show the fruits of the Spirit. Okay, the next um, thing, laying on of hands. This is a fourth foundational principle. And this is transmitting God's power. A foundational principle and it provides cont continuity through the body of Christ. We put hands on someone. It's a subconscious thing, a reaction, a human thing. We want to make contact. We shake hands, we pat someone on the shoulder. There's something powerful in touch. In the Old Testament, the worshippers were required to place their hands on a sacrificial animal. And this was done so the, the worshipper could personally identify with the animal as being a sacrifice on his behalf or a death for his atonement and forgiveness for that of the people of Israel. You may have heard of, we had that phrase, the scapegoat, that came from this tradition where the priest would lay his hand, put like the sin of the people on the goat and then send it out and that was the scapegoat. And in spiritual context, laying on of hands has many purposes. One of them is blessing. We see Joseph brought his sons to Jacob to bless them. He prayed for them and he transmitted, transmitted his name and a blessing. Real vital transaction. It's to use to transfer and or acknowledge or endorse authority. So at God's instruction, Moses laid hands on Joshua. says Numbers 27, 18. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in, your pre in their presence. Listen to this. Give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. So something is transmitted there. Apparently this laying on of hands also contributed to Joshua being filled with the spirit of wisdom. It says in Deuteronomy 34, 9, Now Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom as Moses laid his hands on him. It's not just a ceremony, but a real transaction. And what happens is we're equipped for what we need. The sons of Israel were to lay their hands on the Levites, commissioning them to service. And then when Jesus came along, we saw he was always laying hands on people, praying for the sick, casting out demons. He touched people's eyes and they were healed touched lepers and they were healed and it's for the disciples too and for us mark 16 8 they shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover something very powerful in this it's also for imparting of gifts of holy spirit peter and john acts 18 14 they said they were saved but then received the holy spirit then when simon saw that the spirit he's a sorcerer saw that the spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles hands he offered them money he offered money through laying, but they said to him, it's through the laying on of hands only to believers. There's something very powerful in that. 
and as you read before, commissioning a commission service. So, Acts 6.2, the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. And this proposal pleased the whole group. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed, laid their hands on them so they could give themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And we can have, laid, be, um, have hands laid on us to set apart for a certain task or ministry. So you read about the sending out of the apostles in Acts 13 too. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. That's how we appoint elders. There's a commissioning of a person for a place of service in the body of Christ and recognising God's authority and what he has decided they should be and what they should be doing. Um, imparting sp- spiritual gifts, 1 Timothy 4.14. Do not neglect the gift which was given through prophecy when the elders laid their hands on you. In 2 Timothy 1.6. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Paul had imparted to Timothy in this. So there's dangers in laying on of hands. You need to be careful who you allow to pray for you and to do that. And, you know, as leaders, we don't want to be endorsing someone who is unworthy because if they mess up, we feel that responsibility. And that's why the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5.22, Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sin of others. Keep yourself pure. There can also be um, a spiritual contamination if you, in the areas of deliverance and stuff. You need to protect yourself so stuff doesn't come back onto you. But, you know, we're under the blood of Jesus, under his authority. We just need to pray and be protective. It's not something that we need to fear. So these are some of the foundations, and we need to have them in place before we go on to the solid food or the meat of the word. Those principles that are part of the building materials that we use once the foundations are established. We want to build our lives on the rock, Jesus Christ. Have our buildings strong and be enlarged deep and wide and high and be able to carry the size and weight of in God of what he has for us. And it's important to put the word of God we hear into practice. So it's with eyes closed. I just want you to think about the foundations that we have discussed so far. You say something anything missing from yours. Do you need to repent and ask God to forgive you? You need to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Saviour. The Bible says in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you want to do that today, while everyone's got their eyes closed, I'm going to have mine open. But if you want to do that, that's the first foundation for you. You've maybe been away from God or you've never done this. You want to make Jesus Lord and Saviour. Just put your hand up now so I can see that. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Or maybe you've done that before, but you need to be free of 
dead works of trying to earn your salvation and acceptance by working for it. You feel challenged today to hand that over to God and be free from that. If that's you, pop your hand up and I can see it. Thank you. You may have been saved for a while, but haven't been stepping up into areas of serving and volunteering and you realise now that, as the Word of God says, faith without works is dead. So you're purposing in your heart today that you're going to step up. The Bible's very clear that we serve in every season. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord. We want to prosper and excel, right? We do that by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. So if that's you, you just think, yep, I feel challenged. I'm going to step up in some areas of serving, volunteering. Just pop your hand up so God can see that today. Make that step. Awesome. I feel like there should be a few more. Any other people that are really going to put the word of God into practice with this? Thank you. Have you been water baptised? If not, or you were only sprinkled instead of full immersion, your next step will be to let us know today and we can book you in to be part of our baptism ceremony on the 18th of November. So if that's you, if you're feeling that you'd love to have some more discussion about, find out more about water baptism, that's your next step. Can you pop your hand up? Awesome. Thank you, that's great. Would you like to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and be prayed for to speak in tongues sometime soon? I'm not going to do that right now. (laughs) We can arrange a time to do that. Put your hand up if you're feeling that, yeah, you would really love to accept the gift of the Holy Spirit sometime in the future. Awesome. That's great. Let's make a time to catch up and do that. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Maybe being challenged with laying on of hands and all that that signifies. You like prayer sometimes soon for healing, deliverance, freedom, equipping for serving and ministry, impartation, release of gifts, blessing, wisdom. Maybe put your hand up if you think, yeah, I'm going to be really intent on that. Make be intentional to get some prayer. Fantastic. God, I thank you for each and every person here who's responded to your word today, God. Thank you for those that are stepping into salvation, for those who are repenting from dead works that are going to put their faith in you. God, for those that are stepping into a new era of obeying your word and having not just faith but having putting works into practice those works that you have ordained for them before the beginning of time. Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you for those that are going to be water baptised and come into all that that represents. Lord, for those that are going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we thank you ahead of time, God, for the empowerment and the incredible release that that's going to bring into their world. And Lord, for those that are going to receive healing and commissioning and everything that comes with laying on of hands, we put a seal over them today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our upcoming events and discover more about us, visit c3quinsbeach.com.au. Until next time, have a blessed week.